What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to the Weekly Cheese, your number one place for everything Green Bay Packer. This week's game was absolutely insane. The Packers ended up winning a, a true nail-biter against the Bengals, 25-22 in the waning moments of overtime. Five consecutive missed field goals shared by the teams. Just a crazy, crazy afternoon game. A lot to unpack. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to The Weekly Cheese. Super Bowl! 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 What's going on, everyone? Welcome back. It's the Weekly Cheese, the Week 5 edition. I am your host, Joe Ivan, here with my co-host, Packer Mike. Mike, how are you? Hey, Joe. Great to be here. Ready to talk about a crazy Sunday afternoon game. Uh, an absolutely crazy game is right. The first 1 p.m. kickoff for the Packers this season. And as Matt LaFleur said before the game, the guys had to wake up with their piss hot. Yeah. I, <laughs> that. When asked about how the how the team needs to how they need to get ready for the one p.m. kickoff, Malafleur responded, "They need to wake up with their piss hot." And definitely an interesting way to uh, phrase that the team needs to wake up ready and ready to go but uh big fan yeah. of the phrase i thought it was hilarious i couldn't believe it when i heard it i heard it out of context first i believe you said it and i was like wait yeah. lafleur said that and after the game i did see that that was what he said leading up to the 1 p.m kickoff and uh what a game it was the packers they're banged up they go into cincinnati to take on a very young and hungry a youngry Bengals squad they have a three and one record. Both teams have a three and one record, and they win an absolute thriller, twenty five twenty two in overtime. Yeah, this was the quintessential quintessential youngry team. You know, they were this Bengals team was really really focused and amped up to try to take out the Packers here and cement their place as one of the NFL's uh, better teams. And they've shown that they're they show that they're a very capable young team and they're talented, but. Uh, the Packers just were able to edge them out. It, it, they really, they were just barely able to edge them out. Basically, after giving the Bengals every single opportunity to go and steal that game from the Packers. I mean, five consecutive field goals missed by both teams. Three of them being Mason Crosby, two at the end of regulation, and one at the beginning of overtime. Eventually, he did put through the 50-yarder with just minutes to go in overtime, and the Packers. Walked away with that, that victory on the road against, again, a very talented Bengals team that was sitting atop the, the AFC North coming yep. into that, that game. A lot to get into, but like Aaron Rodgers said in his postgame, uh, both teams played uh, to lose this game at the end, and thankfully the Packers uh, found a way to get it done. But, uh, yeah, the Bengals had a lot of energy and focus going into this matchup, trying to take down the Packers and – prove that they're a great team and uh they showed up and 
they, they we'll definitely have a, a bright future ahead of them, but for the time being, it is still the Packers' time in, in the sun. It was a total team victory, and everyone should feel good about it. Uh, it was complimentary football in all, in all phases, and it wasn't always pretty, but the Packers were able to get it done. Let's start with the offense. They were able to move the ball downfield consistently the entire game. I believe the Packers only punted the ball two times. Uh, but when they got into the red zone, they failed to convert. They were settling for, uh, settling for and missing field goals down the stretch. And, and they really would have won the game handedly if they did not go two for five in the red zone. They need to clean that up. Yeah, the offense uh, looked good as a whole, uh, even though it started a little slow. Aaron Rodgers was 27 for 39 on the day with 344 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception. He, You could tell throughout the day that he wasn't perfectly in sync with the wide receivers and in perfect rhythm with the offense, but still, regardless, he still played like Aaron Rodgers uh, besides that one interception, which came really early in the game when he was – targeting Adams deep down the right sideline. Maybe he was possibly expecting some sort of interference on there, but not the best throw there. Rodgers was slightly off today, but still, as you could see, uh, an Aaron Rodgers who is slightly off is still one of the best quarterbacks on the planet, and uh, exactly. he, he showed that he, he was solid. He moved uh, throughout the pocket nicely, delivered the ball where he needed to, um, and again, even Aaron Rodgers slightly off is still a top three, top five quarterback in the NFL. Exactly. Yeah, he was slightly off, and he had 344 yards. And two <laughs> exactly. Touchdowns. He had a slow start. Uh, that's really what it yeah. was. Two for seven with two punts and an interception on the first three drives of the game. Uh, but he really did. He was able to find his rhythm in that second quarter. The Packers scored 17, 16 points in that second quarter, and he had a monster day on the stat sheet. And it really was due to the fact that. The Rodgers-Adams connection was as strong as ever. It was absolutely crazy. I mean, Devontae Adams, 11 receptions, 206 yards, and a, and a touchdown. I mean, Aaron really – he had three big plays to other receivers, like three different receivers caught big plays. But primarily on the day, Aaron Rodgers was a targeting Devontae Adams. Yeah, the Rodgers to Devontae Adams connection was just on fire there. Uh, Devontae ended the game with 11 receptions for 206 yards and a touchdown, which the 206 yards was his career high. And you could just tell uh, once the games, once they started heating up, you could tell it was going to be Devontae's day. And the Bengals could not stop that man. <laughs> yeah, they did everything that they possibly could to try to stop him. He was getting doubled constantly throughout the day. Uh, he did have a few one-on-one -on -one matchups that he obviously took advantage of completely. He even said after the game, whenever he sees a one-on-one -on -one matchup, he, he expects to murder the guy in front of him. Uh, he was absolutely unstoppable, and he proved once again that there's absolutely not one wide receiver better in the NFL than Devontae Adams. He had that massive 59-yarder to start the fourth quarter, uh, followed that up with a Nice 20-yard reception at the end of regulation that should have set up the game-winning field goal. Unfortunately, it didn't. And and due to the fact that Devontae had his career high in yards, Mike, I bring to you this week's relic of the week. It's been a few weeks since we've had a relic on the show, uh, but due to the fact that Devontae Adams had 206 yards on the day and the fact that he is leading the NFL in receiving after the first five weeks of the season, he has 42 catches, 
579 yards. He's on pace to have 1,900 yards. Uh, and since since he's just dominating, I bring to you and, and the listeners a Devontae Adams signed mini helmet. <laughs> wow, that is a beautiful piece of memorabilia right there. Yeah, I, I, stumbled, I stumbled across this on, on the interwebs uh, a couple months back, and uh, I had a few Simon gift cards laying around, so I felt I should just unload them and get myself this Devontae Adams signed mini helmet. Uh, there's going to be a picture up on the screen for everyone at home uh, to take a look at it. And yeah, it's absolutely gorgeous. The The hands of Devontae Adams were in the vicinity of that mini helmet. They with, I mean, with yeah. the pen and signed it. So there, there's greatness on that helmet there. Yeah, the same hands that uh, lead the NFL in receiving. <laughs> uh, and for Touch what's going to helmet. be back-to-back years, where it was gripping that mini helmet. And I uh, could not be happier to have it in the collection of of memorabilia and it is just one uh, another of the one of many relics we will bring to the audience attention as the season progresses we have a lot of things we're sitting on to bring it out at the correct time and this week it was the Devonte adams mini helmet yeah i'm glad you brought that one in today because it truly was Devonte's big day he uh in an interview with wes hodkowitz after the game he told him that uh Devonte knew it was going to be a big performance for him outside the stadium before the game. Devonte told his wife and his cousin that he feels like this is going to be his career high game. So there must have been something with either the matchup or just the way he woke up feeling that day that he knew he was going to come out, come out with a huge, huge performance. He his previous high was 196 yards against Houston last year, and uh, he. He beat that just by 10 yards with 206, and this was the 16th time in his career that Devontae's had at least 10 receptions in a game. So he's absolutely unstoppable, as you mentioned, and uh, there was a lot of of points in the game where he was double-covered, and that'll lead us into our next point where if he's going to be getting double-covered this much with MVS not on the field, there's got to be another wide receiver that steps up and performs well for this offense yeah seriously as much as i love seeing Devontae adams go off like it's awesome when Devontae adams has 10 receptions 200 yards and touchdown it's just awesome to see but it's also very important that the packers aerial attack just becomes more well-rounded and other guys start seeing some more targets uh, this is the third straight week where Devontae adams has seen 10 or more targets and outside of Devontae Adams, only two other wide receivers on the Packers roster caught a pass on the day. Uh, and only, and the only guys with more than three targets on the day were our running backs. Wow, yeah, so it really shows that with MVS out, uh, the wide receiver core has to step up. And, and honestly, thank goodness we have Randall Cobb on this team. He's proven that he is the savvy and reliable veteran that – can make a play on third and long when we need him. Yeah, it seems like Randall Cobb has just shown that uh, he's been Aaron Rodgers, one of his favorite receivers for the majority of Aaron Rodgers' career, and he should have never been gone in the first place. I mean, third and Cobb. The trust and rapport that they have is just unmatched. I mean, obviously, um, Devontae and Aaron have an absolute dynamite connection, but the trust Aaron has with Randall, if you go back to that third and 16 
play, uh, Aaron just threw it to Randall. Yeah. It looked like there was three bangles around him, and he was just confident that Randall Cobb was going to make the play that he needed to. That set up what should have been the game-winning <laughs> field goal on third and many. 16. Uh, and honestly, if you looked at the replay, I kind of think uh, – they spotted Randall short. They they ruled it a fourth and in inches, but it really seemed like he got over that 31-yard line that I remember because we were sitting there watching the replay a lot. But Yeah, I couldn't yeah. believe that they didn't give the Packers the first down there. I mean, th- not only did that guy for the Cincinnati Bengals leave the game with what seemed to be a pretty bad injury after that play, but after, in the replay, it's because he, the reason he got hurt is because you could clearly see Randall Cobb catch the ball, and then his it's like he completely sits down as if he was sitting in a chair, and he just crushes the man's sternum. And they showed it 15 times in a row, and every single time it was more and more clear that Randall Cobb clearly converted that play, and that was a first down. I, I just couldn't believe the spot. And after the extremely long replay session, it was very shocking when it came back and they, the call on the field stood. Very shocking. Yeah, but other than that, like you said, third and Cobb, I mean, what a massive and valuable uh, player to have when Aaron Rodgers knows he can just look for him on a third and long situation when Devontae's being double teamed and he'll come up big. Like, you... you uh, for instance, there was a third and long uh, just prior to that on a uh, previous drive where it was obvious that the Packers were going to Devontae and he was double covered and he got crushed immediately. So it just goes to show other receivers got to step up during this time. And, uh, and like you said, only two other wide receivers caught a pass on the day being uh, Randall Cobb and then the Alan other Lazard. Alan Lazard. Uh, yeah, they were the only other Packers wide receivers to play more than 12 snaps on the entire day. Equiminia St. Brown, Amari Rogers, and Malik Taylor, they combined for 21 snaps on the day. EQ took 12, Rogers with 5, and Taylor with 4. Um, and on Alan Lazard's screen pass, Equiminia St. Brown completely blew his, his blocking assignment, and, and Everyone on the entire offense was visually pissed off when that happened. The Packers ended up losing three yards on the play. And I just need to say this. I have no clue why Equiminia St. Brown yeah. is even on the field. It's uh, it's extremely curious. I was actually doing some additional research after this game as to what the heck is going on with EQ and <laughs> why the coaches feel the need to have him out there. Honestly, there was times when he was playing – over Randall Cobb on blocking plays, which just was absolutely mind-numbing. Uh, and if you look, Equiminius St. Brown, he was on the practice squad, and he's been promoted off the practice squad twice to the active roster. So now they can't do that anymore with EQ. He, he's either going to stay on the practice squad for the rest of the year, uh-huh. or he's going to be on the active roster for the rest of the year. And I just can't see him being on the active roster. I really yeah, can't. Yeah, no, not, especially not after his performance on Sunday. Maybe that's why Equiminia St. Brown did have 12 snaps, because they knew that they needed to make this decision with him in terms of how many times they could activate him in a row without, you know. Yeah. Uh, I didn't know that that was a rule, but now that you say that, that might be the entire reason why Equiminia St. Brown saw 12 snaps, especially after being on the field after blatantly missing his blocking assignment. And on top of that, I don't understand why Malik Taylor wouldn't eat the 12 snaps if if anyone needed to get some play time. I mean, Malik yeah. Taylor had a great preseason. 
the sh- guy made the roster yeah. over EQ. So that it was just extremely confusing to see EQ out there so much. And there was two horrible blocks specifically where he absolutely whiffed and didn't even look like he was giving full effort on the, the one play where he went in motion and he had to try to chip a linebacker, which I don't know who the, <laughs> who, who the heck decided that. Equimini yeah, St. Brown's going to be chipping a linebacker. Yeah, four but, years, um, we've never seen that. But <clears throat> I guess that's enough talk with EQ. I, I don't expect to see him on the uh, active roster again this year for the Green Bay Packers, but you never know with uh, knock on wood with injuries. It could happen, but I just don't expect to see him out there again. Yeah, no, that could have that could easily have been the last we see, and uh, it'll be interesting to see moving forward with MVS out. It is important that a, a couple more wide receivers do gain some confidence and start getting yeah. involved in this offense because you could only force feed Devontae Adams for so long. Devontae Adams, I saw today, he is accountable for 40% of Aaron Rodgers' total passing yards on the season. Wow. Uh, and that's a mind-blowing statistic to me. And it just shows that the Packers' offense really is dictated right now by Devontae Adams and how many times he can get the ball in his hands. Yeah, some other playmakers need to start uh, stepping up. Just uh, God forbid anything. If Devontae Adams were to miss any time, uh, the offense might be in severe trouble. So some other wide receivers need to start stepping up. And not only other wide receivers, another man that needs to start stepping up in the pass game is our tight end. Robert Tunyon, he's been kind of silent this year in the passing game. He did have a very, very crucial third-down conversion on Sunday. But outside of that, that was his only reception. Uh, He's really just been a primary blocker. He's been helping with the offensive line and the edges with with blocking. But uh, he needs some production. His role was primarily to be uh, blocking the last few weeks. We saw with the San Francisco games uh, the amount of times he absolutely crushed Boza and pancaked him. Uh, Yeah, he's been in a blocking role primarily the last few weeks. But um, like you said, he had that huge third down conversion where it looked clear as day that he was being held. And I think that's why Rodgers fired the ball in his direction and there ended up being no flag, and uh, Tunyon actually caught it because he made such a great play. Well, so We know that Big Bob Tunyon is as sure-handed as they come at, at the tight end position, and it's, it's a shame that we're not seeing him featured in the passing game a little more, but I really think it might have to do with the fact that the tight end, we came into this season with a very deep tight ends room and a bunch of guys that could go, but with Daphne going down, and DeGuara's play declining and him missing some action because of the concussion that he suffered this year. There's really not that many guys on the, in the tight end room anymore, and it, it is up to Big Bub and Mercedes to, to help the offensive yeah. line with blocking. So it makes sense that they're not really getting featured much, but, but it would be nice to see that change. What a uh, big help it is having Big Dog out there. I saw his uh, PFF grades. He is by far the highest-rated blocking tight end in the NFL. He is just so solid when you see him out there blocking. And I was so pumped up this morning because uh, I was watching uh, Good Morning Football, and one of the one of the announcers picked Mercedes Lewis's uh, screen pass from overtime as their favorite play of the afternoon. Because wow. they, they just said they love seeing him just catch it and rumble down there for the first down. He threw a few guys off of him. He had a big block from Billy Turner out there. And uh, Mercedes Lewis, he, he was just 
phenomenal on that series. And uh, the blocking, that big catch and run he had, it was awesome. And uh, to see Mercedes Lewis involved with the offense just makes me happy because everyone loves that guy. I mean, 17-year veteran, he's uh, he's as good as they come. And, and we are lucky as Packer fans to have Mercedes Lewis out there for our squad every single week. He does so much. Unfortunately, DeGuara has not had the best start to this season. Uh, he only had 12 snaps on Sunday. Uh, he missed a couple of assignments, and those missed assignments actually got him benched for a little bit there. There was, uh, on the first or second drive of the game, he had a blatant misblock DeGuara, which really uh, messed up one of the plays and led to us punting, I believe. But then I was surprised to see uh, someone else out there for him, number 84, uh, Tyler Davis. Yeah. And when I saw number 84 out there, I was thinking, who the heck is that? And uh, the reason I had to immediately look up on the roster because he missed a very, very uh, big block. He missed it badly, and it was on a play where luckily Rodgers got rid of the ball quickly, but this guy came screaming off the edge, and Tyler Davis just got completely thrown to the ground by the defender and uh that was honestly one of the few plays i saw from tyler davis out there yeah, so. davis only took four snaps or something low like that and, and yeah. then he did have that horrible assignment my guess is as soon as that happened the coaching staff's like okay we gotta yeah. get that guy off the field now before aaron Rodgers takes a blind side or something um yeah just for packer fans wondering uh Tyler Davis was signed uh, last week or the week before when Tyler Lancaster was placed on the COVID list and Daphne was put on IR. So presumably he's just there to fill Daphne's role as the fourth tight end, but a very, very concerning uh, effort on his blocking. Overall, though, the Packers' tight end room is solid. They played well again on on Sunday, and they do – all the little things that the Packers need them to do to, to, to get through these games, especially with the injuries the Packers have amongst the offensive line. It's blocking by committee at this point, yep. particularly in the run. And unfortunately, the Packers' running attack was not great on Sunday. They started the game off nicely. Uh, they had a few 10-plus yard gains on the first drive. But after that, the running game was pretty much suppressed by Cincinnati's defensive line. Uh, they ran the Packers ran the ball 22 times for 133 yards as a team. However, 40% of the total yards came on Aaron Jones's one 57-yard yeah, attempt. Yeah, before Aaron Jones had that big burst uh, run for 57, like you mentioned in the fourth quarter, he was kind of silent. Uh, he had a few big runs here and there, but he was being bottled up, and it seemed like AJ Dillon was actually having more success. Uh, pounding the ball through there and driving through for extra yards. But, yeah, I mean, it's great having a back with the explosiveness of Aaron Jones because you never know when you can just give him the ball and he can break it out for a 50, 60-yard run like he did. And he, he stiff-armed and threw someone yeah. on the ground uh, at the end of that run. So yeah, he he's very impressive. At any moment, he could break out for a huge gain. He really can – and he finished the day 13 carries, 103 yards. It's his first 100-yard rushing game of the season. And he had, again, that 57-yard run when the Packers needed it most. He also finished with four catches for six yards. And like you said, A.J. Dillon had, uh, had a great game. He only had eight carries, but with those eight carries, he gained 30 yards. 
Uh, he is quite simply three yards in a cloud of dust, that guy. He he runs hard, and he is not easy to bring down. He's guaranteed three yards every single time. And he yeah. also was very impactful as a receiver. Yeah, you could tell. Um, it's surprising to see that he only ended up with 30 yards on the day. I thought for sure he would have more than that, but he ran it hard. He He burst through their line a few times, and – in the receiving game, he was huge. He caught that swing pass for the touchdown, yeah. and then he caught uh, four passes total. It seemed like four for the, yeah, the Bengals weren't expecting him to be involved in the uh, passing game, I guess, because, yeah, four receptions for basically 50 yards and a touchdown. That's, uh, that's awesome to see that he – because out of – I remember coming um, out of college, there were questions of could he catch the ball out of the backfield, but – He's shown that he he can do it. Yeah, after the game, Aaron Rodgers gave A.J. Dillon all the credit for being able to turn himself into a complete football player and not just the the winter downhill running back. And he had showed on Sunday that his hands are nice. Aaron said he he threw that ball and the touchdown a, a little high and a little fast, and A.J. Dillon was able to come up, down with it and, and score the touchdown. It was great to see. And he's continuing to, to – carve out a nice little role for himself here with this Packers offense and um, again as we say it a thousand times as the year progresses A.J. Dillon is just going to become more dangerous of a back as wear and tear is on other opposing defenses bodies and the cold weather comes so it's very very exciting for the Packers backfield right now. It really is uh, one of the most dynamic backfields in the NFL with having the thunder and lightning combo I mean you see Aaron Jones has the potential to break out for 50, 60-yard bursts, and then you just give it to A.J. Dillon when you need one or two tough yards, and he'll get it, man. He is a, a truck. I like to call him the mini-fridge with wheels. Yeah, you that's know? a great He's, description of how yeah. he plays football. And, and I do think it's important to point out that Kylan Hill got yeah. his first two offensive snaps of the season with the ones, and he picked up five yards on a nice little screen pass. Uh, and there's going to be exciting to see if uh, he starts making a play or two here or there. It was interesting that he uh, got his his reps on the first series of the game, and then we didn't see him involved with the offense uh, to, from there. I mean, it's hard when you have Aaron Jones, who's so dynamic, uh, uh, Dylan, who you have to get involved with pounding down the defense. But Hill, I mean, he's there in the reserve role, and he, he does well with his uh, special teams uh, kickoff yeah, return. So. I would say I'm as comfortable with Kylan Hill returning the kickoffs as I've been with anyone over the past five years. I mean, for this guy to be a seventh-round draft pick, and now he's our, you know, uh, change of pace slash uh, kickoff return guy, That that's awesome. Yeah, and it's, again, I can envision a world where – Kylan Hill does start making a few splash plays with the ones and he's and explosive. He's an explosive player and he gets he brings the juice. He, he yeah. every time he's in there, you could tell the energy is up. Um, overall, not the best day on the ground for the Packers. Again, outside of the first two plays of the game where the Packers gained 25 yards on the ground and Aaron Jones' big run in the fourth quarter, which by the way, he was poorly blocked for. He did a lot of that himself. Um, the Packers only picked up 51 yards on 19 runs outside of those three plays. And a major reason for this poor running performance is being the offensive line and their inability to move their men, especially on first down runs. The Packers picked up just two yards on nine first down runs throughout wow. the game. 
Yeah, I'm I'm interested to talk about the offensive line now because overall I think they did uh quite well with their pass blocking, but yeah, in the run blocking, uh Cincinnati's defensive line proved to be a tough challenge. They uh couldn't get much uh movement off the line when it came to run plays, but pass blocking uh all in all pretty well we're gonna break down the whole offensive line here yeah they did a solid job and as the countdown to Bach continues here on the weekly cheese uh there's just one week remaining one week left on the countdown to Bach and on this week of the countdown the Packers offensive line got another injury Josh Myers rookie center out with a finger injury. Yeah. He should be back next week, but a finger injury. Mike, have anything to say? Yeah, the offensive line is fascinating right now. And we're just going to throw in a quick quote from Aaron Rodgers here to show how amazing this group is. I said it, you know, during the week, but, you know, if you had told me it would be Yash, uh, Runyon, Lucas Patrick, Royce, and Billy as a starting five, I would have said, woo. You know, hope that hope that turns out. But man, those guys have played good. They really have. They've played, they've played really good. Like Aaron said, to have the offensive line this point in the season, being <laughs> the starting offensive line as Nyman, Runyon, Lucas Patrick, Royce Newman, and Billy Turner. For those five men to play as well as they did was just it's uh it's truly a testament to the Packers coaching staff Steno. And uh, Buckus Jr., the offensive yeah. line coaches, getting those guys ready, getting them coached up, and just the talent that they have is, is awesome. Yeah, the, obviously a very deep group of guys. And there's not – I don't know if there's any other offensive line in the entire NFL that could lose Elton Jenkins, David Bakhtiari, and their starting center and, and perform the way they have. It's a great. It, it's great to see. But I do want to talk a little bit about Josh Myers being out with a finger injury. Uh, it seems as if this is just his first taste of a mangled finger. And um, hopefully he is back next week because if we know anything about offensive line, it's your fingers are going to get mangled. I mean, yeah, I was listening to LaFleur. He actually said Myers was campaigning to play this game the whole week. Myers wanted to play, but I think his finger was actually dislocated or, oh. or broken or something, and the medical staff said, let's just give you one week yeah. for it to heal. It's cool to see Myers. He wanted to play, but, I'd yeah, so. man, the, the mangled fingers are just a part of the game and when it's you're just playing a, on the O-line. Yeah, it's uh, just a – it's like a – sign of aging yeah his first mangled finger it should be, should be something he's proud of yeah that so, finger injury. so with that Myers was out uh Lucas Patrick stepped up and he played center the whole game uh Lucas Patrick he performed admirably it was okay there was one very bad snap very bad snap from Lucas Patrick which fortunately went right to Aaron Jones we were just lucky it ended up that way um also Billy Turner Solid as always, as he is a freaking lock at right tackle, and then um, for the interior guys, uh, Newman and Runyon. I think Newman played pretty well. I saw him pass blocking very well. Pass blocking he he pancaked a few guys uh, who were rushing at him. Uh, Runyon played all right. He was there, and um, you know Nyman. He ultimately he let up two sacks, but um. 
you know, those were plays where he was completely left alone with uh, their best pass rusher, Trey Hendrickson. And, uh, you know, overall, I think Nyman, he looked good for his limited uh, playing time accumulated in the NFL at this point. Nyman looked good. He looked good. I mean, the Packers did a very decent job pass blocking. Aaron was hit five times, only sacked twice. Again, both coming from Yasha's side. Um, But for the most part, they gave Aaron enough time to get the ball out. Uh, Like you said, Billy Turner, solid as always. Um, Runyon, Newman, great with the pass protection. The only... The only critique I could have of the offensive line for the entire week is that LP was kind of failing to get some push on the interior, and the run blocking really wasn't strong from Royce Newman and Lucas Patrick. But outside of that, no complaints about the offensive line. And this young and inexperienced group, uh, we have some very exciting news to bring up regarding this Packers offensive line. Absolutely. I think the the key to them playing as well as they did last week, it started yeah. with the week three uh, luggage tote of the Chick-fil-A chicken sliders. We, we talked about it in week three. We talked about it last week. And there is a new advancement in the chicken slider saga. Absolutely. Now, here at the Weekly Cheese, we always take the time to uh, search out the fine details for the, all the Packers and their... Uh, Everything posted online, and what did we discover well, this week? Last week, we we talked about how Royce Newman was spotted with the luggage tote of chicken sliders. The the we don't know exactly how many chicken sliders come in that pack, but the we count. are guessing two fifty. We're we're placing the estimate at around one hundred to two hundred fifty chicken sliders per luggage tote per tote. Yeah, and. We talked about this and we posted it to our TikTok. Follow us on TikTok at theweeklycheese.podcast. Yeah, check that out. And follow us on Twitter at theweeklycheese, theweekly.cheese. But posted it out everywhere, a little clip from that episode. And we are convinced now that the offensive line is listening. Because what did we see this week as the offensive line was boarding the plane, Mike? What did we see in Evan Siegel's weekly photos of them boarding the plane? Two totes this week. Two. We saw big old Yosh with his tote and big old crazy man Royce Newman with his tote of 150 chicken sliders. There was not one, but there was two luggage totes of chicken sliders this week for the Packers offensive <laughs> line. And uh, who was holding the second one? None other than Yosh Nyman. After one week, you know, one week removed from being praised extensively on the Weekly Cheese podcast, Nyman is pictured with a second tote of chicken sliders, and we, I want to believe that they heard our coverage of the chicken slider story, and they threw this second one in there as an ode to the pod, but whatever it is, those chicken sliders seem to continue to unify. Yeah, I mean, it's... <laughs> those chicken slider totes with Newman and Newman looks so happy to have him yeah. in his hand. So yeah, it started week one with Newman and he had the single tote and now to see uh <laughs> Newman and Nyman both with these giant totes of chicken sliders. I mean I think uh, what part of it was partially because I saw uh, Ben Braden was activated from the practice squad this week and 
that's another big boy coming on the flight who could easily put down uh, 50 to 75 yeah, chicken sliders himself. So maybe with, because of the, the addition to the men in the offensive line room, maybe they just needed some more sliders. But, um, hey, that that's great. Keep it coming. I'm saying next road trip, three luggage totes of sliders. At least three luggage totes this week on the butt. I do they take a bus to Chicago? Right, yeah, right. I would bus imagine. to Chicago. Actually, they might just fly over there. Take it an hour or so. I think they might just fly over well, there. Well, whatever that is, they need three luggage totes of chicken sliders for that <laughs> trip. Uh, and it's also important to note you point out Braden being involved, upping the slider count. But I also think the fact that Myers was not suiting up alongside uh, Jenkins and right. Bach. I mean, come on. The, you need at least another tote if you're going to have all three of those guys out sitting there just eating them. But whatever it is, uh, I love keeping up with the sliders. And uh, yeah, check back next is, week to hear more coverage. It's absolutely something we'll be tracking for the entirety of the season. The, uh, the sheer amount of chicken sliders consumed by the Green Bay Packers offensive line. And I wouldn't be surprised if uh, – Lancaster and Lowry were digging their mitts in there last week, you know, yeah, no. with the and then they realized what damn, we got Lancaster and Lowry breathing down our <laughs> neck. We can't we can't just have one tote of chicken. They they told Newman, yes. you better get your ass back to there and get yeah. get two totes yeah, yeah. of chicken. And then he was thinking, damn, well, I can't carry 500 <laughs> chicken sliders by myself. So he got Newman to come. Yeah, he got uh, Nyman. Uh, sorry, he got Nyman to come along, and uh, Newman and Nyman secured those, uh, you know, two hundred to five hundred chicken sliders for the <laughs> yeah, team. Yeah. And I think that's a big reason for their success. Uh, it, it's, uh, Mike. I would say it's the number one reason for their success. Uh, I've never seen a luggage tote filled with chicken sliders until a couple weeks ago. And I was convinced that that was the only one in existence, only to find out that Nyman could easily access a second one. So uh, if let's just put say this. If you are listening, Royce or Yash or who, whichever, whatever one of you is listening Lancaster. to this, um, we love the chicken sliders. And if you are listening, I challenge you to add a third tote. If there's a third tote added to this chicken slider saga, we know – for 100% that they are listening. All right, Joe, uh, just uh, one final thing to wrap up this whole chicken slider talk here. I got the Packers offensive line roster in front of me. If you had to take a guess of which lineman could put down the most sliders on the flight out to Cincinnati, what, what would your guess be? So so are you going – you want me just to name the, the yeah, one, one lineman one that lineman, put down the most? Or yeah. you want me to guess a number for each? Yeah, I'd like to hear – which lineman you would pick to put down the the most, and how many would be consumed? That is a very very good question. And you have there, to consider height, yeah, weight, and uh, tenacity. There, of there's course. a lot of things to take into consideration, and obviously, my gut reaction immediately is to say that Yash <laughs> could consume the most chicken sliders simply due to the fact that. He's the tallest and biggest offensive lineman on the team. He's just a behemoth. I don't know if he's taller than Dennis Kelly, but he, he sure is just much yeah. more physically imposing. Like, Yash is so big. Kelly, 6'8", 321, 
Yosh six seven three fourteen. But with that being said, I also have I have a firm believer in the fact that Yosh is one of the uh, most gentlemanly human beings Absolutely. that there possibly can be, and that his um, he ate God. with proper etiquette. yeah yeah he ate with etiquette and he does not he's no glutton. <laughs> That's what I'll say about Yosh and I mean he is no glutton. Um, so then I, that leads me to my second choice, which is only my second choice due to the fact that he did not suit up for the game, and that leads me to my decision of choosing Elton Jenkins as the most chicken sliders eaten on that trip, and I'm going to say over the – were they there for two or three days? <laughs> no, I think just uh, there and back, honestly. They were just – they got it on Saturday. Though. Yeah, that's what I meant, yeah. And they left yeah. Sunday? Yeah. I'm saying over the 24-hour span they spent in Cincinnati, Elton Jenkins ate 38 chicken sliders. Okay. Wow. Great choice there. Jenkins uh, – uh, <laughs> Tipping in at three eleven and six five, I my choice is gonna have to be for Crazy Man Newman, who secured the original <laughs> tote of uh, chicken sliders. I mean, unless he was um, directed, you know, ex- expressively by David Bakhtiari to go and get those sliders, I think Newman took it upon himself to get those and secured them. And uh, Crazy Man Newman, I'm saying he put down. At least forty-five chicken oh. sliders on the slide. At least. I, that's a very good guess. Uh, even though he was playing in the game, you, yeah. you think his number oh. was forty-five? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, you don't think the that the the what did he take? Sixty-nine snaps. You don't think the sixty-nine <laughs> snaps or whatever he took um, went into his thought process at all? And I think it only that forty-fifth slider. <laughs> I think it only served to help, man. He had the the, res- the energy reserves built up from the Chick-fil-A. And, uh, yeah, well, hey, enough of the chicken slider talk. Uh, I think we've come to the conclusion there that it is absolutely essential for team morale, especially on the offensive line. And um, it's great to see. I hope we see it again next road game. I'm going to keep my eyes peeled for that third crate because I'm convinced that these men are listening to us. And if they are, I hope you're enjoying it. Let's get into this Packers defense now, shall we? Um, like the offense, the Packers defense was without a couple of their main pieces on the day. <coughs> and it was really going to take a total group effort to stop this young and explosive Bengals uh, offense. And overall, I would say the Packers defense succeeded in doing so. They forced five punts on the day. And they had two interceptions to go along with eight quarterback hits and three sacks. Yeah, the defensive line played really well. Kenny Clark continued to show why he's one of the most dominant nose tackles in the entire National Football League. He had six tackles, two tackles for loss, and most importantly, he had an absolutely huge stop on third and one where the Bengals tried to run a little quarterback sneak with Joe Burrow, and Kenny Clark just absolutely stuffed the line there and... uh he played great. Played great. He really did. I mean, six. You said it's six tackles, two for a loss, and just. I mean, Kenny Clark over the past three weeks has. It seems as if he's taken it upon himself to set the tone for the defense early. He just seems to start every single game by uh, making opposing team centers look uh, kind of like a bitch. I mean, there's no other way to put it. He makes opposing centers look like bitches. There's. I wish there was a nicer way to put it, but Kenny Clark. As soon as he puts his hands on these centers, they 
turn into mere men in front of Kenny Clark, <laughs> and it's awesome to see. Uh, Dean Lowry had a, had a great day. I mean, we talked last week about how the defensive line, in order for the Packers' defense to play at the level that we would like to see them play at, someone else needs to step up on the defensive line. It can't just be Kenny Clark totally emasculating opposing centers <laughs> the whole time. Someone needs to step up and make a play, and it's nice to say that Dean Lowry had his seasonal deflection. <laughs> yeah, we said we like to say Dean Lowry had his um, <laughs> his one pass deflection that is guaranteed for the year. Stuck his big mitts up there and swatted it down. That was great to see. But no, yeah, Dean Lowry, he stepped up. He played well. We're going to need some other guys on the defensive line to really uh, – yeah, really step up their game going forward here. I know uh, Lancaster was back out there. He played okay. Uh, Slayton was on the field for 13 snaps. And, you know, Kiki was out there a lot too. It seems like Kiki and Slayton are now starting to overtake some of the snaps for Lancaster, unfortunately, our boy Lancaster. Well, yeah, Kingsley Kiki, he's consistently getting around 30 snaps a game, but he was really – he was invisible out there, really. He just blended in. He didn't do anything to directly impact the game. No splash plays from Kings, from Kiki like we saw in the prior week. Uh, and, yeah, the L brothers were not in full force. Unfortunately, Tyler Lancaster is still coming back from the COVID situation. Who knows how, how he was really affected by COVID-19 uh, this time around. But uh, – Slayton was on there for 13 snaps. Lancaster was on there for 13 snaps. Uh, and Slayton started impeding on Lancaster's time. And uh, Slayton got his second half sack of the season. He now has one sack on the year. <laughs> uh, he and Dean Lowry combined. Uh, uh, Garvin applied some nice pressure. And Dean Lowry and Slayton were able to get there from the inside and, and hit Joe Burrow. Um, yeah, the defensive line did an all right job. Nothing too great. The defense was... Overall, on and off all day, really. The defense was on and off. Overall, Kenny Clark is just such a stud, and we're lucky to have them. I think his dominance uh, helps make guys like Dean Lowry, Slayton, and Kiki look better yeah, than makes life, what they are. Makes life easy for those guys on the inside. And it, it, hopefully, as TJ Slayton gets more acclimated into the NFL and, and the speed of the game, he could come on here as the weeks go by and, and – become a little more of a constant force in that interior. He's a big guy. Yeah, it's uh, surprising. I didn't see anything from Jack Heflin. He hasn't even been active yeah, for these no. games, I don't think. But, uh, you know, I guess he'll, he's just going to stay in the reserve role. He did look good in the preseason, but uh, I guess they're going with Kiki and uh, Slayton over Heflin primarily. But it's all right. He's there if needed. He'll be there. It's always good to have some depth on that defensive line. You don't want to be scrambling around at the end of the year to try to find guys to fill it in there. Um, another guy who's been a complete stud this season um, and an absolute alpha male on the defensive side of the ball is Devondre Campbell. Um, we could not be luckier to have picked him up this offseason. He's proving to be quite the signing by Goot and Co. Yeah, and I'm still amazed that we were able to get him so late into the uh, off season and for how cheaply we did. I mean, this guy was signed so close to when he was signed during OTAs. Wow, like OTA was like his yeah. day one. I was gonna say he was signed so close to around OTAs, mm -hmm. but yeah, wow. And um, also, yeah, I mean, he's all over the field. 
He makes big plays. He's smart. He's sound, dependable. And for him to have that interception in overtime, which really did seal the game. I know Crosby missed the kick, but for all intents and purposes, Devondre Campbell sealed the game there with that interception. He really did. And um, that was awesome. I mean, having him really really helps with the loss of Zadarius Smith because we didn't have a middle linebacker like Devondre last no, year. No, last and, season, D- yeah. Zadarius Smith was schemed to the inside, really. Sometimes, yeah. There was nothing going on in the in the middle linebacker position for the Packers last year. And, and Devondre Campbell's been a, a savior, like I said last week, a savior on this Packers defense. Finished the game with eight tackles, one for a loss, and like you said, he's continuing to make plays and coverage he's just all over the field like there was one uh series in the second half where it seemed like three plays in a row Devondre Campbell just absolutely shut down their drive it was the first one he shut down a swing pass then he stopped the run then he was in there to break it up on another pass like this guy is all over the place and he's always around the ball. I'm so happy that we have him. he just seems lean athletic fast and powerful I couldn't believe he's didn't get signed yeah and for the first time in three weeks Devondre Campbell he he missed a snap believe it or not he the last three weeks he played every single snap of every single game he missed a couple because he got a little banged up but he returned and his play didn't decline at all he picked right up where he left we're real lucky to have Campbell (laughs) he's a savior and luckily this week Chris Barnes was back from his concussion and, and he played well he played 23 snaps on the day. He's mostly in there in the base package, and he finished with six tackles, one for a loss, and, and a sack. Yeah, he really flew in there on that sack when he, he came in with a head of steam and he dragged Joe Burrow down by the back of his jersey, and that was awesome. Chris Barnes got an interview from uh, McCarron after the game in the in the tunnel. You know how they do those post games, and, yeah, one of them was Chris Barnes, and he, Larry McCarron just said he was so impressed with the way he was flying around the field, and Barnes said, yeah, he takes it uh, personally that he wants to be involved on all the plays. He wants to fly around and be over the field, and he's fast, and I like Chris Barnes. I like Chris Barnes, too, especially as that second middle linebacker when he's yeah. not the guy tasked with right. uh, wearing the mic and calling the plays and playing every single down. Chris Barnes is a, is a difference maker. He makes right. plays. He's stu- he plays hard, he hits hard, and he's always around the ball when he's yeah. on the field. And honestly, our middle linebacker group will have three competent players now with Campbell, Barnes, and the addition of Jalen Smith. Yeah, we I can mean, get to that now. So Oren Burks took 18 snaps on the day uh, when the Packers lined up in that nickel package. He finished with two tackles and a QB hit. And honestly, as much as I criticized Oren Burks for his lack of production as a third-round draft pick, if Oren Burks is going to have 18 snaps a game – exactly like he had against Cincinnati, I'll be perfectly okay with Oren Burks coming in there and contributing. Yeah. Uh, the he, important he, thing to note about the middle linebacker position on the day was the absence of Ty Summers. Honestly, Burks makes me feel so much so much better and have, I have so much more confidence in him than Ty Summers. And I'm sorry to say it, but Ty Summers is just a complete liability whenever he is on the field. So... I'm happy that we have this group with trending up right now. Yeah, and it's trending up because, like you said, the Packers recently signed this past week Jalen Smith, Pro Bowl middle linebacker for the Dallas Cowboys. Smith was just kind of buried on the Cowboys roster. He's owed a lot of money, and then Packers were able to 
Yeah, yeah and they were able Smith, to acquire him. Smith is a really smart guy. He does a lot in the community for Dallas. He was nominated for the Walter Payton Man of the Year a few times. Like This is a serious uh, competitor. He's a great guy. And uh, in his um, presser, he said this was purely a business decision. He actually laid it out like very specifically. He said, the Cowboys were worried about me potentially being injured and then guaranteeing my salary for next year. So like this guy knows his situation. He knows it was about business. And uh, he said, I was so impressed. I have to give, give some credit to the front office here. But I was so impressed where Jalen Smith said, within one hour of free agency, he already had an agreement to be a Green Bay Packer, which is just phenomenal the Packers knew what they needed they knew they wanted him and Smith wanted to be a Green Bay Packer so everything just aligned perfectly here awesome to see Matt LaFleur spent time with him when he was coaching at Notre Dame he's very familiar with him as a player again he was a pro bowler in 2019 he's a stud and the Packers now have him to line up next to Devondre Campbell in the middle of the field and for the first time in what feels like a decade I feel comfortable with the Packers interior linebacker I think position. This, that situation. This is the best middle linebacker group we've had since the Super Bowl. I honestly believe that because we've had some good individual players here and there, like Martinez was good, and uh, they even had Clay Matthews line up at middle linebacker for a little bit when he was going. But, uh, no, as a group, this is certainly the best we've had in a while because – <laughs> the middle linebacker group has been subpar, to say the least. And just due to the fact that Campbell is playing at such a high level, yeah, and we're bringing in a pro bowler, a veteran who knows what he's doing and wants to play at competitive, high-end, high-level football, I mean, hopefully, and I'm, I'm going to need to knock on wood here when I say this, but hopefully Jalen Smith completely puts an end to the Ty Summers, Mike Linebackers situation in its entirety. Hopefully Ty Summers never calls one more play (laughs) for the Packers defense ever again. Now he is completely buried in the lineup. There is a bunch of guys ahead of him. And if he were to be on the field now that we have Jalen Smith, you know things have went horribly wrong (laughs) for the Packers. I think the the Ty Summers experience has – come to a halt now hopefully hopefully he's just relegated to special teams where he should be and he's a solid special teams guy which is i guess kind of even hard to say considering the Packers special teams is still (laughs) in such a uh it's so hectic and horrible right now but we'll get into that in a little bit yeah Um, so that's the middle linebacker group and moving on to the outside linebacker group uh a lot to talk about here preston smith had a productive day and he played well four tackles and a sack yeah, he, he he said at the end of the game that the team came together. They persevered. Um, for some reason, Joe Barry uh, had Preston Smith in single <laughs> coverage man on a wide receiver a few times. I don't know if it was due to a substitution or something along the way. Preston needed to adjust and on the fly pick up a man on the outside. But I was hoping that formation uh, left with Petten. <laughs> yeah, no, that was a- it was actually a, a meme from last season of Preston Smith literally lined up on an outside receiver. And this was something similar to that. Honestly, the only thing I can say is it is absolutely bizarre to have <laughs> Preston Smith lined up covering a wide receiver like he was. I don't know why 
how or what the hell was going on there, but it can't happen again. <laughs> yeah, and Joe Barry, uh, there's a couple things he needs to clean up. Uh, it's not just this one Preston Smith play that we're pointing out. Uh, the Packers' defense needs to get better in the red zone. I saw. Oh my gosh! That I yeah. believe what 17 straight trips to the red it zone. Was. The Packers giving up a touchdown. Yeah, worst in the NFL by far. Yeah, so it's it's not all good on the Packers' defense side of the ball, but they're 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 getting along. They're doing what they need to, and they're doing enough to win these games. And a lot of it is due to the way that Preston Smith has played this season. He's he's yeah. had a good start to the year, and so has Rashawn Gary. He finished with five tackles, a quarterback hit for Gary. He did a great job uh, setting the edge. There's a lot of times where Rashawn's in there and he's rushing hard and it really seems like guys are holding him by the neck. And he he did get a holding call this game. Uh, he generated a holding call, but it could have been two or three. Honestly, the guy gets held by the neck, it seems like, every game. Yeah. Because, like, yeah. the tackles just can't stop his power and speed. But, um. Yeah, Rashawn Gary, he's got to keep building on this. Just keep on getting better. We we need him to if he can become a dominant pass rusher, yeah. that would be huge for our Super Bowl chances. Especially here. as banged up as the Packers' edge rushing situation is, and the injury to Zadarius Smith. Uh, last week's episode, we ended by saying that the Packers really couldn't afford another injury. Uh, amongst those edge rushers, and just moments after we finished uh, recording the episode, unfortunately, Chauncey Rivers went down with an ACL injury in practice, so the Packers yeah. were scrambling for another guy, ended up signing Ladarius Hamilton from Tampa Bay's practice squad, and uh, he had to do a lot to get up to speed and get ready to play this week. He was just in town for a week, and he played 19 snaps. Yeah, I was surprised that uh, he even played, but... You know, I think his play showed that he wasn't necessarily ready to be out there as a Packer. He had a very, very minimal, minimal uh, impact. Uh, surprisingly, uh, Garvin, number 53 out there, he had a few good pressures. Um, I was surprised to see it. I don't know exactly what the situation is with the Bengals' uh, tackles, if they're not very, very good, but... Garvin pressured a few times. Uh, he basically caused that sack that uh, Dean Lowry yeah, got credited for. Slayton's cleaned up, yeah. Yeah, so, um, hey, if we can get anything out of Garvin and Hamilton, that'll be a plus. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see uh, if perhaps sometimes Jalen Smith lines up on the outside. He's done it yeah. before. I believe he started his career as an edge rusher before getting moved to the inside by the Cowboys. Yeah, honestly, with um, Zadarius Smith looking like he's going to be out for the rest of the season, they we could really use some help with the pass rush. So anywhere we can get help it would be useful. Yeah, the Packers have certainly seen their fair share of injuries in, uh, on the defensive front seven and in the pass rush, but they've also, unfortunately, seen some injuries in the secondary as well. I mean, this game, Packers were, out, uh, were without all-pro corner Jair Alexander. Uh, and his absence forced Eric Stokes to basically match up with Jamar Chase the entire game. Yeah, it, it seemed like Jamar Chase did get the better of Stokes throughout the game. Yeah, I mean, he Chase finished with six receptions, 159 yards, and a touchdown. Um, he was getting thrown to a lot. And it, it, Stokes did all right, but Chase definitely won the day. Um, Kevin King was able to return for this match. 
Um, however, from whatever ambiguous ailment the guy had and was sidelined for the past two weeks, was it an illness? Was it a concussion? We'll never know. But he started the game, and he started out playing pretty well. I, I noticed Kevin King only allowed 17 yards on the day, um, and he was making some of the strongest tackles of his career, I would say. He was wrapping guys up and tackling with his uh, arms, not his shoulder. I think in this game you got the uh, – the Kevin King ex experience in a nutshell yet again because he started out playing well. He had a good, uh, you know, a few passes, defense, and a tackle. And then if you look, <laughs> and there was one play where he absolutely whiffed on a guy where he just lunged in there with his shoulder, didn't even try to wrap him up, and King yeah. King just went flying. Didn't even wasn't even close on the tackle. So that. I think that's the Kevin King experience. Yeah, then really. uh, he also got beat pretty bad by T. Higgins uh, on that final touchdown drive by the, the Bengals when they ended up tying it up. He got beat by T. Higgins on a third down, a third and long. And then the very next play, I believe, is when he got uh, hurtled and stomped on and he got hurt. He, he literally got trampled by that guy. And Kevin King did not see the field again. He was out for the remainder of the game. It forced Isaac Yadam onto the field for major snaps. He played 26 snaps, um, and, yeah, it ended up being uh, pretty rough for the Packers. The Bengals yeah. went on the score, and Yadam gave up that two-point conversion in the back of the end zone. Yeah, this season is not starting to look very disappointing for Kevin King, and now he missed uh, the two games already. Mm -hmm. Seems like he could possibly – he basically missed half of this game with his injury. Um could potentially miss next week. We don't really know. But, yeah, I think this is the Kevin King experience. Uh, it's mind-blowing to me. I don't know how, but – and this is why PFF grades shouldn't be taken overly serious. But I saw he was one of the highest-rated corners in the entire league this week. And I just don't understand. Like, I know he had a few good tackles, but uh, – Well, he wasn't getting targeted much. Uh, he had two pass breakups, I believe. He, he Again, he started the game off well. Uh, it, he did have that one breakdown against T. Higgins, but I could see why PFF gave him a decent grade this week because he wasn't getting t thrown to a lot. They were targeting Stokes. Yeah. They were throwing to Jamar Chase a lot. And, uh, yeah, the other two receivers for the Bengals really didn't do all that much damage. I believe they had 51 oh, yards yeah. combined. Yeah, it was mostly just Jamar Chase uh, feasting on the – the secondary so yeah, savage got beat deep right before halftime by jamar chase uh that was a really big play in the game it changed the entire feeling of halftime uh basically packers went into half up two instead of up nine yeah i think that's that's important to talk about that play where savage got beat deep uh i went back and it didn't even necessarily seem like a secondary breakdown it seemed like it was man coverage on the play and that the secondary was just covering for so long. Uh, Burrow rolled out to his right, and Chase, uh, it was kind of like the scramble drill that the Packers are famous for, and he just ended up beating Savage one-on-one. -on -one. There was no no one else to secure yeah. the, the, you know, secure him. But, yeah, so. Darnell was just inches away from yeah. either picking that ball off or deflecting it as well. He gave it his all in that play. He came diving in there. Uh, it was a great effort by him. It just so happened Jamar Chase. Hey, Jamar Chase is an elite wide receiver, 
that kid can play, and he showed it. Uh, Adrian Amos had a beautiful interception on Joe Burrow. Uh, he made a great play on the ball there. Uh, Amos does so much for the Packers' defense. I mean, he's always coming up in the box. He's, he's getting it after the passer sometimes, and uh, you can't say enough good things about Adrian Amos and what he brings to this defense. Yeah, I mean, honestly, uh, considering Jair was out and – uh, considering the talent that the Bengals have for their second, um, their wide receiver core, I should say, with uh, Boyd, Chase, and Higgins. And then they also have that tight end who's decent. Uh, they have a lot of talent. And if you take away that that dumb, dumb mistake with the um, long touchdown to Jamar Chase right before the half, the, the secondary played okay. I mean, if you take out that, that play, it shouldn't have happened. We would have been up 17-6 to at half, really – uh, it should have been 17-7 to with Mason Crosby's missed extra points. So, um, all in all, they played okay. But going forward, the, the secondary is a major concern. With King and Jair Hurt, um, that's a major concern. Yeah, fortunately, the Packers did go and sign Rasul Douglas off the Cardinals practice squad. Uh, Douglas is a 26-year-old corner who spent his first three seasons with the Eagles. He was on their Super Bowl winning team. Uh, he was a, a contributor on that team. He had five interceptions for the for the Eagles in those over those three seasons. I believe he had two his rookie year when they won the Super Bowl. Um, he really hasn't played the best football over the last three years, but he has a championship level experience. And in my opinion, he's definitely a better option for the Packers than both Yadam and John Charles, uh, as we all anxiously await more information to come out regarding Jair Alexander's prognosis. Yeah, I'm I was surprised to see Razul Douglas wasn't even on anyone's active roster. I mean, mm -hmm. we signed him from the Cardinals practice squad. I don't I don't know too much about him, but seeing that he had five interceptions for the Eagles, um hey, let's hope for the best. Um I would say number 24 Yadam or Yadam is extremely underwhelming and extremely concerning when he's out there. Um, Gene Charles got absolutely embarrassed by Joe Mixon. It was his only snap of the game, too. Absolutely embarrassed. They were playing it over and over on Good Morning Football today, and they were kind of making fun of Charles for how badly he got just toasted. I mean, if you look at the move Joe Mixon put on him, it, it wasn't even like he put a crazy move on him. He just... John Charles was, it was very, just... very eager to be out there. He was had jumpy feet. It was yeah. his only snap of the game, and he got he got yeah. put on a highlight. It's yeah. unfortunate. He got put on a highlight. But uh, moving forward, especially, let's just all hope for the best with Jair Alexander's oh, yeah, joint. Uh, speaking of Jair's injury, um, from what it seems is that he got put on the short-term IR, which is three weeks, and um, for all, all accounts and reports – uh, it seems like he's going to be back after that three-week uh, recovery period wearing a shoulder brace, and hopefully that will be enough. I mean, we absolutely need Ja Money. Him. And we'll just finish up the coverage of Sunday's game with going over the special teams. Well, how could we not? Yeah. We, we like to break down the show in offense, defense, and special teams here. This episode, it would have been absolutely appropriate to – Start with special teams and the Mason Crosby debacle, but uh, 
We're going to get into it now. It's very obvious what happened, okay? It was, <laughs> it's obvious. What, what more explanation do you need? It was a very bad day for Mason Crosby. <laughs> yes. Yeah, we're going to get into it now. Uh, a quick note on the special teams before we get into uh, everything with the field goals is uh, Corey Bajorquez had his first poor performance of the year. Um, he had one bad punt on uh... – yeah, so he had a bad punt uh, in the game and did not go far. I was wondering if it was maybe a failed banana punt, which he maybe tried to implement a, a premature banana punt there. It could have been. I, you never know because he, he's been saying he's had success with that banana punt, and uh, ooh, there was a bad one that set up the Bengals for some points in this game, so uh, he's got to correct that. I wish there was a way to tell when he was using the banana punt. I wish there was a an indication of sorts so we <laughs> at home know when it's a normal punt and when it's a banana punt. I'm still unclear of what the difference is. But with that being said, if that horrible punt was, in fact, him a attempting a banana, banana punt, botched um, banana all I'd say to that is if you're going to pull out the banana punt, your best banana punt, <laughs> you know, you, you better not mess up. Uh, there's no need for uh, a bad punt just because you're trying to get fancy, if you know what I mean. Yeah, agreed. Uh, and, and, yeah, Mason Crosby, I mean, some would say it might be his worst performance of his career. I have a hard time saying that due to that horrible stretch he had back in uh, 14 <laughs> and the game against the Lions in 17. But it was definitely up there with bad performances by Mason Crosby. I mean, it will, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get into it now. What, <laughs> what, uh, sight to see for Green Bay Packers fans. I mean, Matt LaFleur, it was funny. He apologized in his uh, presser. He said, sorry for if we caused any <laughs> high blood pressure out there for Green Bay Packers Nation. It was insane what we were watching out there. I mean, let, let's break it down. Yeah, so Mason uh, starts the game with the miss extra point. To that, we all shake it off. It's no big extra deal. point. The guys at that point he had made maybe like twenty five or twenty six field goals in a row, including uh, two that he made in the game, I believe. Well, yeah, uh, so he missed the extra point. He went on to make his next two field goal attempts and an extra point. So right, he, he made the two. He made two field goal attempts and the extra point, which were both forty four yards. I remember the graphic. Those were both forty four yard field goals. He drilled them and then. Lining up when it was 22-22 with just over two minutes left. And uh, we had the football there after Aaron Jones' big, big run. Um, he missed it. Mason Crosby, he missed the first field goal. It was a surprise to everyone. We were thinking, wow, this is Mason Crosby, you know, the Silver Fox, time himself. Yeah, father uh, time lead, himself. Lead foot Crosby. Uh, we were just all completely surprised, but obviously – given Mason the benefit of the doubt. I think it that first field goal, I'm not sure exactly how long it was, but uh, he missed that one. The Bengals go down. Luckily, their kicker doinks it right off the crossbar that hits. We're filled with jubilation, Packer fans, just so excited about the them trading missed field goals. And then 
Uh, Aaron gets the ball back. Aaron gets the ball back. He hits Devontae over the middle. Huge play. You see, you just get flashbacks right to, oh, well, there it is. Aaron to Devontae across the middle, got him in field goal position. They spiked the ball with a few seconds left, and Mason Crosby unfortunately missed another game-winning field goal there. Yeah, he came out to kick a 51-yarder for the game right as time expired in regulation. Uh, he just hit a 51-yarder in San Fran not two weeks ago. Uh, I know personally at, when, at our watch party, we were for sure certain Mason was going to kick this one right through the uprights. Packers were going to win at the end of regulation in spectacular fashion. Another Aaron to Devontae miracle. Uh, and we're going to be able to avoid overtime. Unfortunately, Mason misses another field goal. So at this point, there's been a missed field goal by Mason, a missed field goal by McPherson, and another missed field goal by Mason Crosby. And then we get right into overtime, and it's interesting. We were looking at it, and they, for all the captains, they just sent out Mason Crosby to do it. They send out and Mason to break the luck. We Mason. were we were thinking he was going to get it right, get the get <laughs> get the coin uh, the coin toss right, and he called tails. Uh, and there's an old saying that tails never fails. <laughs> that is unless it, your name is Mason Crosby and you were having the type of day you were having on Sunday because tails failed. Yeah, and the Bengals got the ball. I was we were we were discouraged there, uh, just because we with our defense's track record, they were playing good that day, but we just knew that you know with the injuries to the secondary, this could be could yeah. be disastrous, but. What can you say about Devondre Campbell? I mean, the first play in overtime, picking off that pass, absolutely beautiful, coming right across the middle. Burrow never saw him. He was like a flash of lightning. Yeah, beautiful. he was lurking in one of those really shadowy corners in the Cincinnati Stadium. <laughs> oh. For some reason, there's so many shadowy corners what is with that in stadium? that stadium. I couldn't believe the the shadow that was consuming almost half the field near the end there. And yeah. Devondre picked them off right in the shadow and uh, set the Packers up for game-winning field goal right there. The Packers, it was a chippy. It yeah, was an he, absolute chip shot for Mason Crosby. Devondre Campbell, yards. when he intercepted it, he rumbled down to like the 30-yard line or so. And then actually, uh, yeah, so he, he rumbled down with the interception to the 30-yard line. We ran two run plays there and we lost 10 yards total so then it was a 40 yard field goal that mason set up mason there to win the game and um missed again it. mason wide crosby's left. third missed field goal wide left three in a row for mason the Bengals now have the ball back in good field position they go seven plays make it down to the packers 32 yard line and set up a 49 game winner for their Young kicker, McPherson, he shanks it left, clanks it off the the upright. He misses, thinks he makes it. He starts celebrating like a ninny. <laughs> yeah, he was celebrating. Um, a premature was, celebration. You, and honestly, you got to give the defense some props there for holding them yeah. to uh, a field goal. Forcing 49 yards. down there. It was a great defensive stand. And, yeah, it was funny to see uh, the Bengals guy was uh, all happy and celebrating. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, sorry, buddy, didn't Missed go in. It. And then that set up what was the final drive of the game. Aaron finds Randall Cobb on third and 15. Yeah, well, to set, set, to, to set this up even more, it was 
They were working hard to get down there. They had the screen pass to uh, Mercedes Lewis where he rumbled down for the first down. And then I think after that, we actually let up a sack. I think it was – Yep, so it went we Mercedes let up Lewis bringing us into enemy territory, getting us to Cincinnati's 41. Aaron Jones lost a yard on a run play, and then Aaron was sacked for a loss of five. Yeah, that's what it was. And then it was third and 16, and that's when – Bird and Cobb happened, baby. They Aaron targeted uh, Randall Cobb going across the middle of the field. Bengals draped all over him. Randall comes down with it. Horrible spot on the field. Should have been a first down, but uh, they it ends up after that amazing catch. It ends up being fourth and inches. And uh, I don't know if you saw this, but Rogers went up to Maurice Drayton. And he he sought uh, you know sought his counsel. He said, "Hey, Mo, what do you want to do?" And uh, he Rogers specifically he said, "Do you think Mason will make it?" And Drayton said, "Hell yeah, he's Hell gonna drill it." Yeah. And then and uh, Rogers said, "All right." And Lafleur said in his post game, he walked up to Mason Crosby. He asked him. He said, "Do you want it?" And then. Uh, he said Crosby had fire in his eyes, and he said, I'm going to drill this. He said, I got this. Goes out, drills the 49-yard game winner. And after all that drama, the Packers mounted on top, taking a 25-22 victory home with them, advancing the record to 4-1, and and beating what is a very good, young, and hungry Bengals team. And yeah. a great victory on the road the for the Bengals, Green Bay Packers. The Bengals, absolute great victory. The Bengals gave – they threw everything they had at us. They really wanted to win that game. You could tell for their coaching staff and all the questions around Zach Taylor as the head coach, they really wanted this game. But, uh, and but you know, uh, Green Bay Packers, you know, it was just another day in the office for them. You Nothing know. to hang their hats on over in Cincinnati. But the better team won. And the Packers, they did a lot, almost let that game get away from them. But the team that should have won ended up winning the game. The Packers are now 4-1. And and we got a divisional matchup against the Bears this Sunday at 1 p.m. Yeah, before we get into that, I think it's important to note that uh, a lot of fans who were watching on the East Coast were, were just absolutely stunned to see the NFL pull the game seconds before the Mason Crosby field goal. I mean, I just find it absolutely ridiculous that the NFL would would do that after it is. Ap- it, after last three week 3 hours of a game. Yeah, last week against Pittsburgh, Packer fans everywhere were forced to miss the entire first quarter of the game against the Pittsburgh Steelers to watch the Jets and Titans in overtime. This week, the Packers have a 1 p.m. game, and right after them is Cowboys, Cowboys Giants. Giants. And they, they cut off the final play of the game. They cut off Mason Crosby's game-winning field goal to go watch the first play of Cowboys And it wasn't Giants. even that. It was literally the Cowboys and Giants were still warming up, and it switched to uh, like Buck and Aikman talking. Oh. And it's like... Come on, NFL. You couldn't give us 15 more seconds of that game yeah, to see the field goal. It was just absolutely disgusting, in my opinion. Inexcusable. 
it, it really is. It shows the NFL is all about money and absolutely nothing else. And uh, fortunately, we had NFL Game Pass rolling on a backup screen, and we were able to see the kick. But for a lot of other fans that absolutely missed that due to the NFL, I think it's a disgrace. It really is. I could only imagine how many frustrated Packer fans uh there were after that happened i know when we were watching it went to a commercial after a weird little preview of the giants cowboys game and we were convinced that they were going to come back to the game and show us the field goal but no went right to that other game and we were forced to watch it on a cell phone but nonetheless the packers were victorious yeah it feels good to be four and one what a crazy win uh, back and forth so many times during that game. Even LaFleur said it. How could you not? So many times you just think, oh, we lost. It's over. They're going to kick it. Then you get the excitement. We're going to win. Then it's back over to loot. So it's just a crazy game, a crazy experience for Packer fans. And we're going to remember this one for a while. Yes, we are. And like I said, next week, 1 p.m., Packers better wake up with their piss hot because <laughs> there's a divisional matchup on the road in Chicago. Yeah. Fortunately, we got out of this one with uh, no injuries to speak of at all, really. Yeah. I don't think uh, – knock Kevin on King. wood. Oh, I should say, yep, Kevin King was injured. But uh, other than that, I don't think there was any uh, injuries to yeah, talk no. about. No, and uh, hopefully we'll be getting some guys back next week for the matchup against Chicago. Uh, we'll cover all of that. And more on the uh, preview episode episode of the uh, Weekly Cheese. We're doing a new thing here on the Weekly Cheese. We're going to be putting out two episodes a week now. One at the beginning of the week, wrapping up the uh, game from the week before. And then one at the end of the week, towards Friday or so, to preview the upcoming matchup. So make sure to check back with us on Friday to catch the Weekly Cheese Week 6 preview. Yeah, we're going to be previewing the Packers at Bears for that 1 p.m. game. Also this week, uh, a special for Weekly Cheese subscribers. We're going to be sending out a little highlight package of the best radio calls with Wayne and uh, Larry McCarron for that insane overtime finish. So just going to send out a little something for you guys and uh, look forward to that. Yeah. Look for our next uh, game preview. Yep, keep your eyes peeled for that Wayne, Larry V, Larry McCarron super cut. And... Yeah, until next time, as always, remember, the cheese stands alone. Talk to you. Talk to you later this week, I guess, everyone.